All right. Yay. Testing. And then we just talk to make sure uh, our little lines show up. I see lines. Wonderful. So, Tori, do we just want to skip over the la-di-da checking no, in I on each other? No, because, Paul, you're in L.A. now, and we haven't approached that on the podcast yet. We don't have to go into too much detail. Yeah. And, Shane, but... you can you can join in uh, whenever you want. This is usually just our unwinding uh, period where we're just loosening Wait. it up. Yeah, uh, I drove across the nation just to be near my good friend Tori. And, and it I took shame. me um, two weeks to see you because I was not in a you were, you were here. going through shit and I was not going to be like, hey, help me move my fucking couch while you're in the middle of a spiral. You and know what will you know take your mind off the troubles of the world? The weight of my couch. Um, yeah, no, I'm here the in weight LA. Of the world. Here Here's in my LA, couch. Living the dream. Being able to make plans with Tori and then actually get to do those plans. Yeah. We just uh, had pancakes last weekend. Just had person. pancakes. But yeah, no, it's been great. I've loved the fact that the weather has been constant throughout this entire time I've been here. Mm-hmm. Like I've woken up and it's like, oh, 68 degrees in the morning. And then, oh, it's 73 in the afternoon. And I'm like, wow, what gloriousness that all these days have basically felt the exact same luckily our seasonal depression is short honestly i'll live for that honestly (laughs) i might get depressed with a lack of like troubled weather i'm always a big troubled weather guy but the cool thing about california i'm such a california girl you can just drive a couple hours and be in the mountains drive a couple hours and be in the desert drive a couple hours and be at disneyland we have... well, there, you got the three climates down mountain climate <laughs> desert climate disneyland look that's all i need that's all tori needs oh well yeah i i mean the number of people who've been like okay i need you to take you to this restaurant and we got to order this thing i'm mm-hmm. like okay i'm just a country bumpkin you know treat me as <laughs> such we could oh. we can go on further with our LA adventures and things to come when we record our bonus podcast. Oh yes, no. As we thirst on. over the Magic the Gathering, Lord of the Rings yeah. characters. Oh yeah, it's going to I'm be excited to go through those. All right. Well, let's just jump in in three, two, one. <laughs> everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the silly marillion i as always am your long-awaited host paul it's been a while guys it's been a while while. it's been a while uh that's not even the right note (laughs) um joining me today as always is the incomparable tori the one of the biggest reasons i'm currently now living in los angeles tori Welcome to the show. Hey, Paul. Thanks for having me this week. It's a pleasure and an honor. As always, literally could not do it without you present. But another wonderful addition to us today is someone just as nerdy when it comes to Lord of the Rings as I. The president of Hollywood, rumor has it. Yes, president of Hollywood. Shane. 
Hello. Hey, Shane. You're welcome. <laughs> How are you, Shane? Um, this is also very funny because I listened to the episode before this oh, to no. like prepare to see how you guys do this and I was it's like it's just us yelling at Shane it's just first of all like it's the first episode I've listened to which means I'm a bad friend <laughs> but as the, on the episode you referred to yourself as like the president of Hollywood and I had to come on this not to talk about collateral but to reassert the fact that I am in <laughs> fact the president, president. Of I don't yes. even live in Hollywood, so I'm cheap. You exactly. are the OG president of Hollywood. Paul is now Paul Hollywood, uh, uh, son of the Hollywoods. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't know he was one of the judges with Bake Off, and I just claimed that without thinking. And now everyone's why, like, oh, like, Why is he British? Why is Paul <laughs> Hollywood British? It doesn't know. No, there's plenty. Paul, he was born Thirty percent, fifty percent of all white actors, white male actors in the U.S. seem to be British for some reason. All I'm saying is, how dare he have the last name of Hollywood? Or is that even his last name? Is that his like actor name? I don't know. One sec. Anyway, I know y'all came, came for Lord of the Rings, but let me tell you, uh... all Hollywood. <laughs> yep, that's his legal name, Paul John Hollywood. Oh, Man's John got two Hollywood. first names. The middle name isn't even interesting. It's you can just never John. trust a man with two first names. There's something kind anyway. of about the last name Hollywood. Like, like it is like okay, it's a know. it's a porno name. That's what it is. It's very much a porno. Hobbit name. porno? Not Hobbit porno. <laughs> sorry, not not that. No. Wow, we've gone off the rails so quickly. I mean. Didn't we come to the agreement that, like, um, if sex is going to happen anywhere in Middle Earth, it's going to be the Shire? Yes. Simply based did, on the actually. sheer amount of children Samwise mm-hmm. ended up having. God, the Shire. Poor Rosie. It's the Cotton. sexiest place. <laughs> Poor Rosie. She went through it. My goodness. How, like, what, eight kids or something? Jesus. What are they, Catholic? Oh, right. Uh, <laughs> no. anyway. Oh. <laughs> All right. Anyway, Shane, thanks for being here. You're a great Thanks for joining us, Shane. What a pleasure. (laughs) All right. I have a a few uh, intro questions that I like to ask. Ah, yes. Just to get to know a little bit about them. And of course, I have to start with Shane. Um, How did you get into Lord of the Rings? Give us a little bit of backstory on how you entered into his book or movie or what have you. Give us the Shane lore. So um my the the quickest way to say my Shane lore about this is basically when I was really little I had the uh Rankin Bass the Hobbit on VHS uh and the Gollum in that cartoon made me like scream cry he scared me so much the frog Um, the frog Gollum yeah I hated him and yeah, this that. was probably around the age of three. So right when my mom met my dad, who's actually technically my stepdad, um, he was like furious that she had bought me this VHS. Like he's like, now she's got images in her head. She has to read Lord of the Rings. This is all Aww. wrong. This is terrible. But he was like very upset about it. So it was always, he was always like talking about Lord of the Rings when I was like growing up and stuff. And then like when I was... 13 12 or 13 i was like okay i'm ready for lord of the rings now and uh i have i've have grown into a woman i'm ready i've 
Exactly. <laughs> um, and so he and I did a really cute thing. So even though I like knew how to read, he read all of The Hobbit and all, all of The Lord of the Rings to me uh, every night when I was like 12. Aww. And um, there were a couple chapters I read on my own, like when we were like on a road trip and I'd be like, I have to read this. Like I remember reading the Minds of Moria chapters when I was in the car. Mm. Um, but like we cried together in the Sam and Sheila chapters and like, you know, the whole thing was really, really formative for me. And then after that, I read The Silmarillion. I've read a bunch of unfinished tales. I was really into Turin and Beleg. So I was like always trying to find like more. Oh, hell yeah. That's my <laughs> um, ship. Yeah, it's a, good, it's, a, it's a really good ship. And it was like before I knew what ships were, but I was like, I really like these two boys. I want to know all about they how they like feel nice about friends. each other. Yeah, just just <laughs> guy pals. Um, and then, uh, of course, obsessed with the movies because I have eyes and ears and taste. Can you and, just, um, just okay, if you're not going to bring it up, I'm going to bring it up. You were at oh, yeah. one of the red carpets, weren't you? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh full disclosure, totally a Nepo baby. My parents work in the industry. And, and um occasionally they would get invited to movie premieres. And I was like, you have to go and get me an invitation to the Los Angeles premiere of the Fellowship of the Ring, or I'm gonna go insane. And they did. It was at the Egyptian Theater on Hollywood Boulevard. And I remember like holding my dad's hand when that first shot of the Shire. That's oh like a crane God. shot that shows the whole shire and like crushing the bones in his hand into powder because it was like exactly how I pictured it. And I just oh, knew I, love I, was, that. I get three of these and they got it right. And they sure fucking did. Can I curse? I'm sorry. Yeah, no, <laughs> yes, can. I mean, I brought up a porno name. So like oh, yeah, there, fine, is, yeah. <laughs> there is that's no so propriety cool. here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. Um, my other like I have some lore that I brought some Shane lore. Oh, lore. All right. So this is the copy. This is, a, I know this is an audio medium. So everybody listen to this. Describe it. This what is, is before us is a large book. That my dad read to me. And something cool about this is um, when I was 13, Vogue did a photo shoot at my parents' house because it's a, in a, a mid-century architectural home. And it was Kate Blanchett for the July 2000 issue of Vogue. And oh. I knew that she had been cast as Galadriel, but this was before she was like going out to shoot it. So yeah. I asked her to sign my copy. Know and this? So I have I have Galadriel's signature. Ooh, and it says, and Dear Shane, with every best wish, Kate Blanchett. And then she signed the year. Very That's cool. So rad. Slightly less cool is the book plan I put in that says Shane Lynch of Rivendell. <laughs> because that's who I thought I was. That's fine. It's okay. It. We're all nerds here. We're all nerds. It's fine. We accept you oh as Shane Lynch more. of Rivendell. That's so cool. I, I did that. that my, my, uh, my high school senior year page, I have a Galadriel quote under my senior photo. And then my parents took an ad out in the back that has a Tolkien poem in it for me. There's a lot of, a lot was happening in the early 2000s for me and Lord of the Rings. I love that. And it sounds like you're the perfect person to be here to discuss this chapter with us. Big Galadriel fan. Very. Big Galadriel fan. Oh, uh, well. Love that. 
I okay, I'm gonna continue off of the Shane Lore and say how we met. And oh, yes. it was Molly was gonna show us Lord of the Rings for the first time, and she was like, Hey, full disclosure, I have a friend. I am not allowed to watch Lord of the Rings without her, so she will be in attendance as well. And uh so the first time I watched it was with Shane, and ever since then she has been a part of our fellowship and just been on this whole journey with me, truly. The journey of Lord of the Rings and life. <laughs> yeah. It's one quest. Yeah. Merged yeah. one. Love it. Okay. I have one more question before we actually get to the chapter. No worries. Keep going. It's a very Great. serious question. Uh, suck, Mary, kill. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. This is going to be impossible. I already know. Aragorn, Formir, Galadriel. Okay. So this is a hard one because something that Tori knows about me is I am a huge Boromir apologist. <laughs> <laughs> so whereas I feel like every other guest you'd bring on would be like, oh yeah, kill Boromir. And I'm like, oh. oh. Well, I threw him in there. Okay, I'm, I'm going to be really controversial. I'm a fuck Boromir, kill Eric. I don't know if I really mean that, but I want to I wanna create news. <laughs> Do Starting it. Starting the discourse Honestly, go for early. It. I also have that I love that that just adds to you being the token straight friend and choosing the non-straight answer, so. Yeah. Happy Pride. Happy Pride. Ally, talk Valentina. (laughs) (laughs) Ally. Oh. Well. A perfect, not not segue, but Mary Gladriel, I get. Wait, which was it? It was fuck Boromir, you said, right? Yeah, Yeah, I can't, I don't know if I... Is that right? That's fair. <laughs> there's no right, ethical? there's no wrong. I'll make no judgments. I can't kill the, the king. That's... that's the whole that's the whole premise of fuck Mary Kill. It's supposed to be hard. Yeah. Help <laughs> the king. And with that. Him. Yes. The mirror. There we go. Of Galadriel. The mirror of Galadriel, yes. It's been so long since I've opened this book. It feels good to go it's... back. Yeah. Get a little dusty. Yeah. Uh I mean it's kind of fitting because literally we witness the fellowship take like a month off their journey all of a sudden in this chapter. Uh so it was hey, only fitting that trauma. we also just a little just a little trauma. Oh, I was no. like literally I remembered that, but I was also like like ethically, like what are we there's like people dying in the south and you're just taking a, a full month off. Elrond just being like, we need to get the ring to Mordor as quickly as possible. And then the fellowship reaches Lothlorien and they're like, we're big sad right now. Yeah. <laughs> we just took I a little vacay. Oh. Sing some songs. Write some songs. Self-care. Process our grief, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You got it. So Last chapter, we basically left off with them reaching Karen Amroth, which, like, Aragorn's like, oh, this makes me feels about my fiance. We got <laughs> engaged here, and I'm never going to come here again. And Frodo's like, okay, <laughs> thanks for telling me that, man. Uh, and then we have them depart in this chapter to arrive at Keras Galathon. As always, remember, if you see a D and an H in Elvish, it is a th sound. Uh, and that Paris 
Falathon is still in Lothlorien. Like, yes. we're still in Lothlorien. So we were kind of, if you think of, like, Karen Amroth was, like, a suburb of Karen Amroth, which is, like, the big city. Hey, guys. Uh, this is Paul with a post-show note. I realize I said Karen Amroth a lot instead of actually including the name Karas Galathon. Karas Galathon is the primary big city of Lothlorien, while Karen Amroth is basically just this hill that had a treehouse in it. That's all I wanted to say. I realized editing this that I was just repeating the word Karen Amroth and acting like it was the same damn thing. So don't don't acknowledge that. Okay, back to the show. So now they are going into Karen Amroth, which is like this tree city, essentially. You have all these wonderful Malorn trees reaching incredible heights with the formidable defenses of a hedge around it. Um, and essentially, Haldir leads them in. And, oh, wait, no, I'm at farewell to Lorien. Sorry, one sec. There we go. To the right page, Paul. A podcast of lies. <laughs> Look, I never said oh, I was professional, okay? <laughs> a silly Merlion. So a serious Merlion. Lead them into Keras Galathon, and it's all pretty, it's all beauty, it's all wonderful golden leaves and starlight, and it's every elf's dream living in a tree, baking also cookies. Also, read as Tori's dream. Mm-hmm. The Keebler elves would fuck elf. with this place, okay? I'm just saying. <laughs> Can make all their fudge stripes here um that's a throwback throwback they still make them what the hell are you talking about? i haven't ate them since i was a child maybe i don't think gen z knows a keebler elf is anymore i don't what i'm gen z we all we're all about the keebler elf yeah but you're like old gen z old gen z <laughs> it's 97 it's not you're dying paul i'm dying <laughs> I'm like the Crypt Keeper! <laughs> uh, so they are basically let up. And you know what? Okay, what annoys me about Lothlorien, not very handicap accessible because they're like, if you want to see the Lord and Lady, you must climb this very tall ladder. And yeah. I'm like, Jesus, like, I'm not even disabled. And I would look at that ladder and be like, you know what? I'll pass. Give them I my I love they're like, whoever, like Frodo, Legolas have to go up and anyone else who can make it up can also go up. I just imagine little, little hobbits like puffing and puffing up it. Like this, it's gotta, it's gotta suck for Frodo. He's the size of a child. Meanwhile, Legolas is probably scurrying up there because he weighs like a he parkours. <laughs> he's already up there. He's like, guys, come on. The man doesn't leave footprints in snow, and he's just like, la da 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 da. Meanwhile, Frodo is literally a stocky halfling, being like, he can't even reach the rungs for me. He's going like. This to like he's got it. He's got. He's gonna be jacked by the end of this. I'm telling you. <laughs> uh, so they arrive and essentially they get all these greetings by Celeborn. It's like, ah, welcome Frodo of the Shire. Come sit by me and welcome Aragorn and welcome uh, the son of Thranduil and welcome to Gimli. Uh, is it he who says that? Yes, it is he who says that. So, so they basically that, those are the people who went up. Am I assuming everyone else stayed down? Uh eventually all of them were seated. Okay. Uh, 
they just don't give a fuck about Boromir or the other hobbits, apparently. There's also a line I underlined where Caliborn just like fully like insults Aragorn, where he's like, those years lie heavy on you. He's like, Bitch, you got crow's feet. (laughs) You look like shit. Anyway, I'm young forever. Welcome. The asshole of elves, really. Yeah, thanks for mentioning my age, Dick. (laughs) And okay, is this the this is the first time they mentioned Celeborn? Have they mentioned him at all in the book? I think they mentioned him at the Council of Elrond, but they mention everything at the Council of Elrond, so because I was um, like, I I don't know much of him. Is he uh, in the movies? Let's okay. He oh, yeah. when he's in I the movies. Yeah, movies. he is in the. Why'd you say it like that, Shane? Because <laughs> I think he's kind of one of the few things I really don't like about those movies. <laughs> like, oh, where is Gandalf? I don't, I don't really mean that. Well, I much <laughs> desire to speak with him. Yeah, it's a bit oh, that's weird. him. Yeah, yeah, that's oh. Caliborn. And I like love Caliborn on the page, and yeah. like his story with Galadriel pre Lord of the Rings is very important does, to me. So he does kind of yeah. look. I mean, the guy's got like five o'clock shadow when he meets the Fellowship. It's not incredibly elfy. I don't know. Incredibly, I kind of get why they had him talk super slow. Like it's like these are like really, really, really old elves, and like time yeah. is different. Um, well apparently he's also very australian so (laughs) he might have just been concentrating on his accent (laughs) tell me where's gandalf that was my yeah okay we just lost like all three of our australian listeners don't listen to paul we love your accent stay stay on the podcast australians (laughs) got me gonna get me canceled in australia canceled you in the southern hemisphere can't go there anymore what are you gonna say tori i was gonna say yeah killborn is forgettable in the movies i just looked him up and i was like it could be a little bit that i was too high during this portion of the movie or i just checked out because i don't i did not know that was him yeah i knew he was a elf i did not know he was uh killborn he's quite sassy on the page like he kind of like Oh yeah. Says some kind of shitty things to Gimli. And then Galadriel has to be like, we actually don't use that word anymore. <laughs> like, he's refrained from using slurs, my husband. And then he's like, <laughs> oh my bad. But like in Elvish. <laughs> uh so we basically are told, hey, Kelmore's like, hey, okay, there's eight of you. Where the fuck is Gandalf? Uh, and Gladwell's like, uh, he's gone. And it makes me wonder why she just didn't tell Celeborn the moment the Fellowship entered Lothlorien. Like, she didn't think to be like, oh, there's only eight of them because I have these foreseen powers that I can find people with. She didn't think to just tell her husband, oh yeah, no, uh, set the table for eight instead of nine. Uh, Gandalf had to cancel because he's fucking dead. Um, um they basically are like hey uh yeah we kind of ran into some trouble in moria 
and Gandalf uh, he passed on uh, down a hole and let's go I don't know why Kelborn he turns to Haldir and is like, why was nothing told to me about this? It's like, you got your Oracle wife right there. I didn't think I needed to. I'm just the border security guy. I didn't think <laughs> I, your wife is literally magic. I don't, I'm just some guy. He's yelling at the help, which is really funny. Well, it's because he can't yell at Galadriel <laughs> because she will be. He yelled at Galadriel once and she like mind wiped him for two weeks. So now he knows he's like, okay. Now yeah. he knows better. Yeah. Uh, and so Kelmore's like, okay, tell me the tale. And they're like, yeah, okay. So it was a Balrog, a Balrog of Morgoth. Morgoth, no big D. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Mm hmm. And then he decides to become racist and say, oh, if I had known it was a Balrog that the dwarves had awoken in Moria, I would not have let you come into my country. And it was pretty stupid of Gandalf to go into Moria. And Galadriel's like, okay, problematic. How about you be quiet for a second and let me do the talking? And she kind of supports Gandalf, but at the same time, it was a pretty ballsy maneuver for them to enter Moria. But she doesn't say it wasn't ballsy. She just said, needless were none of the deeds of Gandalf in life. And it was, they had to get through Moria to get here. Otherwise, yeah, they, they would had have to go by Isengard. And that could have been a whole mess of worms. And Maybe so, what they had to do, and it sucks they lost, lost someone in it. I also yeah. really like the next little paragraph that she... Actually, Paul, can you read it? Because I cannot do a dwarven. But she says to Gimli. Wait, I'm. I, well, I don't know. Shane, do you want to be our Galadriel? And uh, how good is your dwarvish? Sure Ooh. do. I Hell think yeah. I, can, I think I can get both most of these because for, for some reason, like I can't like all of the math I did in high school is gone, but I still have my like middle earth pronunciation so hopefully That's I, important I mean who remembers who? high school math at this point all i remember is the quadratic math. formula and i haven't used that for anything i don't think i could do long division with a gun to my head right now like i think it's just literally gone like it's just good yeah, thing you don't need that anymore. for this podcast <laughs> all right so she says dark is the water of keled saram and cold are the springs of kibil nala and fair were the many pillared halls of khazad doom in elder days before the fall of mighty kings beneath the stone she looked upon Gimli who sat glowering and sad and she smiled and the dwarf hearing the names given in his own ancient tongue looked up and met her eyes and it seemed to him that he looked suddenly into the heart of an enemy and saw their love and understanding <laughs> I love that it's like it's like a little bit of merging the bridges and the racists were like they have just kind of been at odds this whole time and then for her to speak his language when he is very sad during this whole thing i loved it i loved that and he felt so othered in like the previous chapter so to yeah. have her like she's like using the language of his people and you know like her pronunciation is like perfect oh and, yeah like, no. yeah this is great she's a uh... She's an Noldor elf. They were the closest to the dwarves, so I imagine she picked up something. Yeah. Beautiful. Uh, yeah, and that's exactly kind of one of the things I was going to raise, how 
she's almost kind of like she makes him blush basically he's just like <laughs> i would blush too gimli <laughs> and his response of like that Yet more fair is the living land of Lorien, and the Lady Galadriel is above all the jewels that lie beneath the earth. It's like... What a compliment. My dude's... My dude's angling for something. He is... He's laying it on thick. <laughs> Does he have a thing for elves? I mean... Probably. <laughs> we'll get there in the chapter, but... I wrote something. I was like, that's a little fruity. That's a little fruity. We'll get there. I feel like Galadriel was his like gateway elf. Where he's like, I feel something mm. for this elf lady. He didn't he he day. he was completely ignoring Legolas up until this point. And yeah. then when they're on the boats later, he's he's like just kind of looking you know, over at him constantly. Know. Like <laughs> he's got golden hair. <laughs> close enough. Close, <laughs> close enough. <laughs> Close your eyes and think of Lady Galadriel. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, but essentially, Celeborn is like, okay, you know, I'm I'm sorry. That was pretty racist of me. Mea culpa. Uh, <laughs> I just didn't know it was going to be so bad when you guys got here. And Galadriel's like, yeah, we knew about your journey. Um, but like we can speak of it, we can't speak of it more openly. But then she hypes up her husband. And is like the Lord of the Galathrim is the wisest of elves in Middle Earth. It's like dude almost used a fucking slur in the past <laughs> sentence. Like, come on, come on. Is the Galathrim, a place or the people? It's the people. Uh, okay. they're the elves who live in Lothlorien. Uh, oh, okay. They are called the Galathrim because they live in trees. Does it mean tree something? Uh, tree tree people, I believe. Thrym is like people, and then Gala is a uh, tree, I believe. Galathrim. Galathrim. And... Yeah, no, she she just kind of does a bragging moment where she's like, don't worry, you're safe now. You know, it was I who summoned the White Council last time to shut Sauron out of Mirkwood. And oh, yes, uh, you know, you'll be you'll be safe here. Also, uh, your quest is about to fucking fail. Uh, so, you know, no, no pressure, you know, so stay a month, <laughs> stick around, <laughs> stay, stay a while, take a little nap in the trees. She really does make them uncertain. I think, like, a big portion of why they don't leave is she says this, and it all comes rushing to Aragorn, who's like, oh, fuck, what am I gonna do? Uh, they all essentially bed down for the night, and Pippin brings up, uh, Sam, why were you uh, blushing? Ignore the fact that whenever Sam sees an elf, he's probably gonna be blushing. Uh, Sam is me. I am Sam. But Sam's like, yeah, it's like she was like looking inside me. Which you know what? Fair. I it'd be I'd be very off put if I met someone and they immediately knew all my innermost thoughts. And then I I'd know, probably have to like... apologize. Be like, I'm so sorry you had to see that. <laughs> there are some fruity thoughts in there. At first I thought it was just like a, a figure of speech, and then it was like, oh no, that is what Gladrill does. 
she has some magic business where she is actually looking into their is it just like their thoughts and feelings she like tempts each of them individually she offers each of them like exactly what they want my friend Aaron is confident that Boromir would not have tried to take the ring in Parthgalen if she had not take like put the idea into his head in these interactions wow is the theory that like she did that because it was better for him to break at that point in the quest and if he'd broken later on like he would have been more of a threat they don't go into the reasoning of why she does it but they do say like it like boromir up until this point has steadfastly been like a part of the quest where like he speaks against like gandalf saying go to through moria but Mm -hmm. like at the Council of Elrond, he accepts Elrond's judgment in that we won't use the ring, we're gonna send it and throw it into the fire. It's at this point, after Lothlorien, that Frodo starts, re- like, seeing Boromir, like, looking at him out of the corner of his mm. eye and, like, making, mm. like, assessments of some kind, and it's... That's I've, a cool I've bought into it. I've bought cool into theory, it. Aaron. As much, and of course, you know, Aaron Tori, uh, they hold, they do not hold back in their disdain for elves. So that's why we're balanced. Are they a bit biased <laughs> in this regard? Possibly, but I think they also bring a little insight into that. Um, and they all like talk about how, like, she looked at each of every one of them and offered them something. Uh, she offers Sam. Like, if he could just go home and tend his garden, would he abandon Frodo? I I like how there's a, to a nice little hole with, and then a dash with a bit of garden of my own. I feel like that sentence could have said with Frodo, and then he was like, oh, I can't reveal that yet. I'm not out yet. I need to, yeah. I need to hold back on it. That's a few chapters later. Yeah. <laughs> that could uh, just be the mall not- influence, but. I was like, that's a little, that's a little fruity. I forgot how much uh, Sam has like a crisis of faith in this chapter. Like, oh yeah, no, he he's fully like, I gotta go. (laughs) He crumbles a bit there. Yeah. Uh, But that's not till later when he sees the party tree. And most of them kind of. Well, Gimli doesn't say what his choice is. He's like, you know what? Kind of tempted, but we're not going to tell you what it is. Like Gimli's mind, it's like if I were to tell you which bedroom was mine and that the door would go in, was going to be unlocked at a certain time this night, what would you do? And he's just like, ah, oh, ah. Uh. Gimli's like death by snoo snoo. Is that what I'm hearing? It's like Gimli's oh, no. like Lady not death Bay. by snoo snoo. He could take it. <laughs> My boy is stocky. He is. He's built different. He is built. The man is a the the dwarf is a keg. He's an absolute unit. He is stout. He can handle it. I'm so sorry. You think she'd read his mind during sex? You think there'd be like no sounds coming from her, but it's just all in his mind. I'm just thinking about when that like Resident Evil vampire lady like took over the internet for a day. Like that's like Gimli would. lady big lady so big (laughs) 
It's like I'm imagining like camera over her shoulder and Gimli being like, it's like, like tapping his fingers together, yeah. like, oh, hello. Um, and Boromir's like, I think it was a test, essentially. Uh, she, pre- she, he's like, I think she pretended to offer what she could not actually give us, and that it was all a test. Uh, but he again, he doesn't say what she offered him, and I think, along with Aaron, that uh, she did offer him the ring in that in that moment, just to see would he take it. Mm-hmm. And Bormir is super suspicious about everything in this place, and he's like. I do not feel too sure about this elvish lady and her purposes. And Aragorn's like, that's my fiance's grandma. You don't talk bad about her. You stop Don't speak that way to my in-laws. And then he instantly falls asleep, which I also really made me laugh. He's like, don't talk shit. (sighs) (laughs) I mean, I too yell out, I am weary in body and in heart, and then immediately fall asleep. (laughs) (laughs) Whenever we do a sleepover, you just hear Paul in the other room. I am weary. <laughs> Everyone just shut the fuck up. I am weary. For some reason in this, he's also like wearing like a Dickensian nightcap and has like a candlestick and a holder. <laughs> okay, now I, I do kind of need Scrooge Aragorn yeah. with his... <laughs> okay, but you can't deny that that's like Hobbit sleeping garb for sure. Like the fuzzy ball cap and like that's peak... That's peak Bilbo fashion right there. Mm. Oh, yeah. Bilbo owns multiple dressing gowns. Bilbo going up to Thorne, let me slip into something a little more comfortable. And he comes out in his nightgown and cap with a candle. And like, okay, let's get to sleep. One of my other ships. A good ship. Number good of ship. people who ship it now is just <laughs> delightful. I mean, hats off to the people who shipped it before the Hobbit films came out. Like, Shout out to the people who watched the 1977 yeah. uh, Hobbit film and were like, oh, they fucking. <laughs> Actually, no, I didn't ship it then, but. Well, yeah, Thorin is like a hot dwarves, I craggly have... old man. Yeah. And Bilbo's just far too round. The man is a sphere. He's just circles. He's just circles. Got, we're going to need you on for when we talk about the Rankin Bass. Uh, <gasps> well, we yeah, only have yeah, Return please. of the King. We already did The Hobbit. I will come it, back but... as many times as you as you need me. In fact, there's oh, an chapter that I'm re- going to request to be on. Oh, all right. We already this book or yeah. future book, future book. But like, all right, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Well, Amazing. and we're going to be watching Fellowship of the Ring soon again because we got to watch it now that Tori will have read the entire yeah book. So you'll mm-hmm. of course be there. I, know who I expect is. whenever we do in-person Lord of the Rings things, you're just going to emerge from the woodwork. <laughs> like some... Can't watch it without shame. It is law. Like some lost spirit. You're like, I've been summoned. <laughs> Tori looks up and like there's like me as like in my like ghost form and then like she Whoa. takes a ring off and then I'm just my normal self. Like, how did you get here so fast? Like, Sorry about it. I would have no doubt, no doubt. I uh, I am digging actually the idea of dark Galadriel Shane. We're like, you would have a queen. <laughs> I think that was just one of your outfits at Ren Fair. 
I did wear a breastplate and like a long That's gown. just Red Shana Renfair. Renfair. <laughs> people know it too. People walk up to her and say, my queen. My queen. My queen. So they, <laughs> they remained some days in Lothlorien as far as they could tell or remember. So this they is one little, of the but things. Eat and drink and rest and walk among the trees, and it was enough. And lovely. Honestly, this is I, this is one of my favorite aspects of a ring of power. The elven rings of power were meant, meant to sustain elven glory, essentially to prolong it. And with Gladril being the strongest, like you get vibes of it in Rivendell because Elrond is, of course, one of the bearers of the Elven Rings. But he lacks the power Galadriel has. Mm -hmm. I think he honestly lacks the will Galadriel has to basically uh, sustain what is long past. I think being half Elven as he is, I think. Elrond recognizes the necessity of mortality, and that's kind of why Rivendell is much more of a low-key, more relaxed valley, as opposed to this weird fey enchantress Morgan Le Fay kind of realm we find ourselves in when we're in Lothlorien. Because, true, you lose track of time in Rivendell, but it's because you're so fucking relaxed, and it's because they offer so many fun recreational activities. Perfect. It really is the prime retirement home. Welcome to the home. Rivendell Resort. It's, the, it's, it's a retirement home. Literally, Bilbo's like, yeah, okay, Bilbo I'm going It's fine. Okay, well, here's my question for you, because this is something that when I reread this chapter, I was like, huh, the time thing is really interesting to me. And even the thing your your friend asked or uh, posited that, that Boromir was tempted, I think ties into this question. Mm -hmm. Do you think... Had they just spent like a night there and carried on that they would have just like cracked under the pressure and that Galadriel purposely kept them there because she had to like steal them for what was ahead. I think time was mm. necessary for them to, you know, get over the fact that their leader has died. Uh, and Grand, like in the chapter just before this, like right after their leader had died, like Legolas is like, and now I will sing a song about the river Nimrodel. And it's like, Legolas wonderful. loves the Nimrodel so much. He, he's like, oh, I fuck with this river. Um, it's like me going to the Grand Canyon or something. I'm it's like, like, oh, hell yeah. It is real. <laughs> it's like, Gimli, Gimli, take a picture of me next to the river. It's like, they're all sobbing. He's like, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, but like it is, I think it definitely was necessary that they spend some time. I think part of them spending a bit longer than they would have is partially just the fact that perhaps Legolas realizes that they've stayed here a certain amount of time, but again, he's an elf, and a month is like a day to them, or it's even just, less. He than blinks, that. and it's been a so. Month. Never ask an elf what time it is, because it does not fucking matter to them what time it is. <laughs> Every elf is like, "What is a weekend?" <laughs> are you pulling out? Yeah, that was a Downton. Are you the yeah. Dowager Lady yeah. Grantham around here in the year of our Lord twenty twenty three? We're talking Lady Grantham. We are very high class people. Do you know about the Dowager Tory? <laughs> No, you wouldn't. PBS. God, no, I'm just thinking of <laughs> Legolas being played by Maggie Smith. Um, moving on. 
so but yeah god i need to focus on your question uh it's partially the fact that elves can't tell time uh and also the fact that the weird magic galadriel has going for her in lothlorien makes it so hard for them to realize that time is passing uh to the point when they leave frodo will make like well, no, Sam will make a note of like the moon cycle is pretty fucking weird. We only spent like a week here, right? And they're like, yeah, no, uh, it's been like a month. Mm-hmm. And he's like, it's wild. It's literally a month. They arrive on the 17th, they leave on the 17th. Yeah. And then I think it's also compounded with Aragorn actually just being very indecisive at this moment. I think Aragorn was so... um at this point dedicated to following Gandalf's lead that when Gandalf is removed, he has no idea what he's doing because mm-hmm. his initial plan was I'll stick with the fellowship until we reach Gondor. Then I'm going with Boromir to Minas Tirith to aid in the defenses mm-hmm. because I'm not like sure I can be sneaky, but again, I'm not, I'm susceptible to the ring because I'm a, I'm a mortal man. So I'm not going to, go into Mordor with the rest of them. I'll entrust Gandalf to know what's right. I'll entrust the hobbits to protect Frodo. And I'll trust Gimli and Legolas because they're pretty fucking rad. Uh, But me and Boromir, we're kicking it to Minas Tirith and I'm going to claim the crown and everything. Now he's faced with the choice of I'm the leader. Fuck. I'm in charge. We've got a change in leadership last minute. And he's put into a managerial uh, position Without that he was a not. Guidebook. Yeah, and he was like all like the fucking index cards Gandalf meant to give him before he like passed on. They they were all lost in Moria, and so he is, I think, really trying to decide: Do I stick with what I was going to do before and then pass off leadership maybe directly to Frodo mm-hmm. once they hit Mordor? Or do I basically have to become Gandalf at this moment and leave? Those the are large on? shoes to fill, and they are large shoes to fill because Aragorn, he's very cocky when it comes to being the king of Gondor, and he knows how to lead men in battle. I he has no knowledge of like ring lore or essentially of magic of magic of the wiles of the enemy. He's never entered Mordor before, and so. Also- off of what you said earlier, I think that he is like deeply triggered being in Lothlorien in general. Like, oh yeah, it's like how formative this place was to his youth. Like the entire trajectory of his life changed after he met Arwen, and like, so mm. this is also a very like heavy place for him. I think it is. Yeah, and it's compounded. I think with the fact that um, it's he had that whole talk in Rivendell. Uh, about Arwen where it's like her fate is now tied to the ring and if you fail like everything is gonna fall okay is that actually on the page I think it is or is that just like or is that a movie creation there there is a bit it's still a few pages away that I had a question on where Galadriel talks about if you fail, we are laid bare to the enemy. Yet if you succeed, then our power is diminished and Lothlorien will fade and the tides of time will sweep it away. Yeah, that's that's kind of related, but also not. Yeah, that's um, the elves in general. That's like such, I think, when you watch the movies back to back, 
you get a stronger sense of the sacrifice of the elves by helping. Yeah. It's like they are actually killing themselves mm. at the same time. But yeah, I guess they like, I think that might just be a movie thing. But uh, I, think I was it's, curious. It's, if, it, if, it if sounds a bit like a movie but, thing. <laughs> she's barely in these books. That's why I was like, I, did they actually get I, that from somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> I think I I think it definitely is a movie thing because all I can imagine is Hugo Weaving saying it and not letters on a book. So best eyebrows in Hollywood. <laughs> and so they they stick around. Oh yeah, well, I love answer, that. That was the answer answer to the question, Shane. Oh, <laughs> uh, what I a love that Legolas kind of pops pops in and out. And his one line of often he took Gimli with him when he went abroad in the land, and the others wondered at this change. I feel like this is a line where that ship started. So this is part of why I asked the question is like, you know, having talked to Molly and stuff, like there's a little bit of like, is Galadriel playing matchmaking? (laughs) Like, is she like, just stay here and wander the gardens? Why don't you two go wander that way? You two come look in my mirror. Like she's kind of like playing like a little thing. people off like the teacher to the students. Exactly. And the classroom's like, oh, you two sit together. That's just what the seating chart says, not yeah. because I believe in this shipping relationship right now. I think now, when you've been with one person for like 20,000 years, like she has been, that like new relationship energy is very exciting to her. Yeah. Like she like at night she's like, Caliborn, guess what I did today? <laughs> I have I now would like Legolas being like, matchmaker, matchmaker, exactly. make me a match. Fine, we have fine. Like I like that the idea that like she's like Caliborn, what if I legless and gimli? He's like, You're crazy. That's never gonna work. And she's like, watch this. <laughs> well now I'm definitely going to do it. <laughs> and she's up at night now reading fan fiction, looking through fan art on Tumblr. Yeah, she's a fan. We've fan made art. it. Uh Sorry, my my brain just malfunctioned there for a second. You got stuck on Legolas and Gimli. I get it. I get it. Yeah. Uh, the rest. Of, yes, the rest of them are basically hanging around and talking about Gandalf. They're basically doing some healing by like sharing their memories, and they also mention that the elves uh, are singing about Gandalf because they catch the name Mithrandir, which is the elvish name of Gandalf, which means Grey Pilgrim. Do you think it's like just between sobs? Like they just hear up in the trees, like. Well, <laughs> <laughs> like... oh, it's part of that. And it's also like, how many of you guys actually personally knew Gandalf? Or is it like. Seems like it's a like, lot of them. It's like that uh, TikTok fad where it was like kids telling their parents, like, a certain celebrity died, like Bon Jovi dead. And then it's like the elves, like, Who's oh that? my God, Myth Randir dead at like. 2,343 years old. No! And they're like, Alorian. And he's like, oh, shit! I love that guy! Uh, Love his work. Love his fireworks. Love his work! But it kind of inspires Frodo and he'll, like, walk away and think of a song as well. Um, uh, but now as he sat beside the fountain in Lorien and heard about him the voices of the elves, his thought took shape in a song that seemed fair to him. Yet when he tried to repeat it to Sam, only snatches remained, faded as a handful of withered leaves. And, oh, hello, honey. Honey, Simba. She heard there's going to be a song, so she ran. Now, I don't have... I'm going to recite this. I don't have actual... 
uh, a melody for this, but um, and you know what? I think Frodo hadn't come up with an actual melody either. I think he had only come up with the lyrics. He's still a so. beginner songwriter. He needs to practice and a he's more with in, Bilbo. He's in mourning. Like, give him a second. The fact that he's writing songs, very Taylor Swift of him. Mm. <laughs> when evening in the Shire was gray, his footsteps on the hill were heard. Before the dawn, he went away on journey long without a word. From Wilderland to Western shore, from Northern waste to Southern hill, through dragon lair and hidden door and darkling woods, he walked at will. With dwarf and hobbit, elves and men, with mortal and immortal folk, with bird on bough and beast in den, in their own secret tongues, he spoke. A deadly sword, a healing hand, a back that bent beneath its load, a trumpet voice, a burning brand, a weary pilgrim on the road. A lord of wisdom throned he sat, swift in anger, quick to laugh, an old man in a battered hat who leaned upon a thorny staff. He stood upon the bridge alone, and fire and shadow both defied. His staff was broken on the stone. In Casa Doom, his wisdom died. And then Sam goes, well, you left out the most important thing, his fireworks. And then Sam, glorious, beautiful, wonderful, delightful Sam says, the finest rockets ever seen. They burst in stars of blue and green. Where after thunder, golden showers came falling like a rain of flowers. Though that doesn't do them justice by a long road. Oh, Sam. <laughs> oh, so good. So good. The line the after this, oh, by the way. Falling at the line. about this line that, that I can't, when Frodo says, uh, about telling Bilbo eventually. I yeah. go, well, I can't talk of it anymore. I can't bear to think of bringing the news to him. Like, destroy yeah. I didn't even think of that to like have to, like, he thinks he's going to have to be the one to tell Bilbo that Gandalf's gone. Ugh. Not only Gandalf, but now he's got to tell him Balin is also gone because Bilbo and oh, Balin were tight too. So now he's got to bring news mm-hmm. that he's dead, along yeah. with Ori and Oin. I forgot Ori was there too. He was the one writing the book, right? Yeah, he was the one. Oh, he had a bad time. Yeah, no, he. Oh, I, I applaud his bad time. Uh, bad time. His drums in the recording of history for posterity, though. He's about to die, and he's like, well, till the very last breath. Down. Oh my god, that just made me think about the ocean gate. I'm so sorry. Oh god. <laughs> you said last breath. I'm if so you sorry. guys want to date this episode, uh, it's it's currently during the uh, submarine vanishing, so. They got 16 hours of oxygen left. Did you see someone made a fucking countdown meter and someone's like, how fucking ghoulish is this becoming? Where it's like a countdown of like New Year's Eve to when... Oh, damn. Just don't go in a submarine, guys. Just never go in a submarine. You could not pay me to do any of that. Never. Truly white nonsense incredibly especially because it's basically no you know no we're not gonna talk about <laughs> i'm not gonna give myself my own mother's phobia of claustrophobia i'm not gonna fucking yeah let's let's move on let's, we're in glory elves beautiful trees <laughs> we're in trees not under what the Titanic? ocean no deep in the waters <laughs> no so back to sam and frodo 
later on they do have kind of a, a nicer chat where Frodo's like oh how do you think about elves now and I do love this about that Sam says because it's very on point with Tolkien's elves read it read it and I reckon there's elves and elves they're all elvish enough but they're not all the same now these folk aren't wanderers or homeless they seem a bit nearer to the likes of us they seem to belong here more even than hobbits do in the Shire. Whether they've made the land or the land's made them, it's hard to say, if you take my meaning. It's wonderfully quiet here. Nothing seems to be going on, and nobody seems to want it to. If there's any magic about it, it's right down deep, where I can't lay my hands on it, in a matter of speaking. And Frodo says, you can see and feel it everywhere. Well, said Sam, you can't see nobody working it. No fireworks like oh, poor old Gandalf used to show. I wonder I wonder we don't see nothing of the Lord and Lady in all these days. I fancy now that she could do some wonderful things if she had a mind. I'd dearly love to see some elf magic, Mr. Frodo. Oh, Sam. Oh, Sam. I, too, would like to see some elf magic. Sam, yeah, that line, Frodo, seem to belong here more even than hobbits do in the Shire, like really also hit me. I underlined it when I was rereading this, like, again, about, I think when you read the books, you get more of that sense of like what the elves are actually sacrificing. That yeah. They, they are Middle Earth in a way. And that, oh, oh. So and it's also because um, not only do they belong there as uh, a location, they belong there as a point in time. Lothlorien is essentially the first age prolonged. It's the glory and majesty of the high elven kingdoms uh, removed from any kind of decay that the outworld might face. Like when we eventually see the Grey Havens, they're like almost like ruins. They're empty. They're very <laughs> quiet uh, as opposed to Lothlorien, which is full of life. And I think that's another big element that uh, Gladriel is using the ring to sustain mm -hmm. not only the spirits of the elves there, but also just almost like a time bubble, essentially. Like Lothlorien is a place out of time. You enter Lothlorien and you are no longer in the current time stream, essentially. It's Narnia, almost. Yeah, I was going to say Las Vegas. It's Loth Vegas. Loth <laughs> Vegas. Stuck in the casino. You don't know if it's day or night. Next thing you know, it's three days later and you've lost all your that's, money. That's, exactly. that's where Legolas and Gimli are going. Like, yeah. whenever they're just wandering Throughout off. The real like, life okay, table. let's hit Blackjack. Let's go. Come on. <laughs> Running out of coins. And then they come hit back me. married by an Elrond impersonator. An Elrond. An Elvish impersonator. <laughs> out of control. I'm sorry, I stole that from Veggie Tales, Lord of the Beans. <laughs> um, A classic. Classic. One of Tolkien's greatest work. Wait, um, can we still watch Lord of the Beans on the podcast? I still have yet to see that. I have yeah. also yet to see Lord of the Beans. Well, then we're all going to have to meet we up gotta. and watch Lord of the Beans. I think that's yeah. the only piece of, like, Tolkien media I have not seen. <laughs> media? Media. Tolkien. <laughs> um, Tolkien. <laughs> Jimmy would approve. Man, already getting so many plans down. Sam wants elf magic. Oh yeah, Tori wants elf magic. They're like, oh, what about the Lady Galadriel? And she's like, you rang, and she's just kind of <laughs> stepping through the garden towards them. 
And she basically beckons them to her private garden. She is like, I've brought you to my mirror. And they're like, okay, what's in the mirror? And she goes, many things I can command the mirror to reveal. And to some, I can show what they desire to see. But the mirror will also show things unbidden. And those are often stronger and more profitable than things that we wish to behold. That feels like such a non-answer answer. answer. Yeah, (laughs) maybe, maybe not. You will see whatever you will see. Why don't you look in? Rightly, when she tells Frodo to look in, he's just like, Nah. nah bro i'm good actually i didn't want to see elf magic i'm okay and, but then she's like speaking of elf magic yeah she's like speaking of elf magic sam didn't you say you wanted to see some elf magic and sam's like okay i'll give it a look and he looks down and he's like oh fuck it's just stars you got me <laughs> but then he sees uh ted sandyman cutting down trees was he shouldn't Ted Sandyman. One straight man in Middle Earth. Ted Sandyman. Ted Sandyman. How dare he? What a dick. Be straight and hate the environment. Also, uh, and I love how violent Sam gets where he goes, I wish I could get at Ted and I'd fell him. And so, and they sees like all like these different trees being torn down and a mill being built up along the river. And he yells, I must go home. They've dug up Bagshot Row and there's the poor old gaffer going down the hill with his bits of things on a barrow. I must go home. They evicted my fucking dad. And is he supposed to garden if they've chopped down all the trees? Mm-hmm. And Gladwell goes, well, be careful because it hasn't it it might not have happened yet all right and you'd have to leave frodo and sam's like oh fuck all right yeah no i'm not gonna leave my boy i can't do that like you had saying earlier shane this this really feels like the most crisis of faith that sam has had he's been very steadfast this whole time and it was the scenario that he was like oh maybe i need to go home just thought about yeah, it long I mean, enough not to like you know swirl the fandoms here but this really reminded me of like the anakin palpatine stuff where he like shows him padme dive no and like, and then like no that, like is it padme padme, padme. See, i don't even know how to say her name padme. but like but like that's the thing that like creates like he he brings it into he like wills it to happen because he sees the vision like he makes, if Sam had gone home, makes at this poor, point. muscular, handsome Hayden Christensen toss and turn in his sheets. Oh, he's, like, uh, 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 uh. he's too attractive. He needs to stop. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's like, again, it's like, yeah, she's tempting him. She's tempting him with something that is happening, uh, not necessarily something he'd want, but something he'd want to prevent. Um, yeah. But again, steadfast, resolute Sam stays by Frodo. I love how he says, no, I'll go home by the long road with Mr. Frodo or not at all. The most loyal of hobbits. The most loyal husband you could want. Mm-hmm. And then and you will have a Sam in your life. Galadriel turns 
to Frodo. Do you now wish to look, Frodo? Said the Lady Galadriel. You did not wish to see elf magic and were content. Do you advise me to look? Asked Frodo. No. She said. I do not counsel you one way or the other. I am not a counselor. You may learn something, and whether what you see be fair or evil, that may be profitable, and yet it may not. Seeing is both good and perilous. Yet I think, Frodo, that you have courage and wisdom enough for the venture, or I would not have brought you here. Do as you will. I will look, said Frodo, and he climbed on the pedestal and bent over the dark water. At once the mirror cleared and he saw a twilight land. Mountains loomed dark in the distance against a pale sky. A long gray road wound back out of sight. Far away a figure came slowly down the road, faint and small at first, but growing larger and clearer as it approached. Suddenly Frodo realized that it reminded him of Gandalf. He almost called aloud the wizard's name, and then he saw that the figure was clothed not in gray, but in white, in a white that shone faintly in the dusk, and in its hand there was a white staff. The head was so bowed that he could see no face, and presently the figure turned aside round a bend in the road and went out of the mirror's view. Doubt came into Frodo's mind. Was this a vision of Gandalf on one of his many lonely journeys long ago, or was it Saruman? The vision now changed. Brief and small, but very vivid, he caught a glimpse of Bilbo walking restlessly about his room. The table was littered with disordered papers. Rain was beating on the windows. Then there was a pause, and after it, many swift scenes followed that Frodo in some way knew to be parts of a great history in which he had been involved. The mist cleared, and he saw a sight which he had never seen before but knew at once, the sea. Darkness fell. The sea rose and raged in a great storm. Then he saw against the sun, sinking blood red into a rack of clouds, the black outline of a tall ship with torn sails, riding up out of the west. Then a wide river flowing through a populous city. Then a white fortress with seven towers. And then again a ship with black sails, but now it was morning again, and the water rippled with light, and a banner bearing the emblem of a white tree shone in the sun. A smoke as of fire and battle arose, and again the sun went down in a burning red that faded into a gray mist, and into the mist a small ship passed away, twinkling with lights. It vanished, and Frodo sighed and prepared to draw away. But suddenly the mirror went altogether dark, as dark as if a hole had opened in the world of sight, and Frodo looked into emptiness. In the black abyss there appeared a single eye that grew, slowly grew until it filled nearly all the mirror. So terrible was it that Frodo stood rooted, unable to cry out or to withdraw his gaze. The eye was rimmed with fire, but was itself glazed, yellow as a cat's, watchful and intent. And the black slit of its pupil opened on a pit, a window into nothing. Then the eye began to rove, searching this way and that, and Frodo knew with certainty and horror that among the many things that it sought, he himself was one. But he also knew that it could not see him. Not yet. Not unless he willed it. The ring that hung upon its chain about his neck grew heavy, heavier than a great stone, and his head was dragged downwards. 
The mirror seemed to be growing hot, and curls of steam were rising from the water. He was slipping forward. Do not touch the water, said the Lady Galadriel softly. The vision faded, and Frodo found he was looking at the cool stars twinkling in the silver basin. He stepped back, shaking all over, and looked at the lady. I know what it was that you last saw, she said, for that is also in my mind. Do not be afraid, but do not think that only by singing amid the trees, nor even by the slender arrows of elven bows, is this land of Lothlorien maintained and defended against its enemy. I say to you, Frodo, that even as I speak to you, I perceive the Dark Lord and know his mind, or all of his mind that concerns the elves. And he gropes ever to see me and my thought, but still the door is closed. She lifted up her white arms and spread out her hands towards the east in a gesture of rejection and denial. Arendil, the evening star, was beloved, most beloved of the elves, shone clear above. So bright was it that the figure of the elven lady cast a dim shadow on the ground. Its rays glanced upon a ring about her finger. It glittered like polished gold overlaid with silver light, and a white stone in it twinkled, as if the even star had come down to rest upon her hand. Frodo gazed at the ring with awe, for suddenly it seemed to him that he understood. Yes, she said, divining his thought. It is not permitted to speak of it, and Elrond could not do so, but it cannot be hidden from the ring-bearer, and one who has seen the eye. Verily it is in the land of Lorien, upon the ring of Galadriel, that one of the three remains. This is Nenya, the ring of adamant, and I am its keeper. He suspects, but he does not know. Not yet. Do you not see now wherefore your coming is to us as the footstep of doom? For if you fail, then we are laid bare to the enemy. Yet if you succeed, then our power is diminished, and Lothlorien will fade, and the tides of time will sweep it away. We must depart into the west, or dwindle to a rustic folk of dell and cave, slowly to forget and to be forgotten. Frodo bent his head. What do you wish? He said at last. That what should be, shall be. She answered. The love of the elves for their land and their works is deeper than the deeps of the sea, and their regret is undying and cannot ever wholly be assuaged. Yet they will cast all away rather than submit to Sauron, for they know him now. For the fate of Lothlorien you are not answerable, but only for the doing of your own task. Yet I could wish, were it of any avail, that the One Ring had never been wrought, or had remained forever lost. You are wise and fearless and fair, Lady Galadriel, said Frodo. I will give you the One Ring if you ask for it. It is too great a matter for me. Galadriel laughed with a sudden clear laugh. <laughs> wise the Lady Galadriel may be, she said. Yet here she has met her match in courtesy. Gently are you revenged for my testing of your heart and at our first meeting. You begin to see with a keen eye. I do not deny that my heart has greatly desired to ask what you offer. For many long years I had pondered what I might do should the great ring come into my hands, and behold, it was brought within my grasp. 
The evil that was devised long ago works on in many ways, whether Sauron himself stands or falls. Would not that have been a noble deed to set to the credit of his ring, if I had taken it by force or fear from my guest? And now at last it comes. You will give me the ring freely. In place of the Dark Lord, you will set up a queen, and I shall not be dark, but beautiful and terrible as the morning and the night, fair as the sea and the sun and the snow upon the mountain, dreadful as the storm and the lightning, stronger than the foundations of the earth. All shall love me and despair. She lifted up her hand, and from the ring that she wore there issued a great light that illuminated her alone and left all else dark. She stood before Frodo, seeming now tall beyond measurement, and beautiful beyond enduring, terrible and worshipful. Then she let her hand fall, and the light faded. Then suddenly she laughed again, and lo, she was shrunken. A slender elf-woman, clad in simple white, whose gentle voice was soft and sad. I pass the test, she said. I will diminish and go into the west and remain Galadriel. I love that scene. Ooh. Such a good scene. What a, it's so what a section. It's so, the writing is so on point. My eyes filled up while I was reading that. You killed that Galadriel. Oh my god. Oh, I got chills during that that section where she's like, oh, talking about the power she would have if she had it. Oh, she, so good. She is such... This entire section is a beautiful uh, piece of defiance uh, in regards to denying yourself corruptive power, even yeah. if that's what you would truly want. Um, and she, <laughs> I do love how Fro's like, I'll, I'll give it to you. And she's like, okay, you got me back <laughs> for when I tempted you. Uh, when we first met okay all right so smart fun. guy i love that she calls that out i love that she's like too shady tiny fucker like right. <laughs> i dig it yeah oh. it's it's all so fantastic and you get to learn uh what you've brought up before shane uh the dilemma of the elves of middle earth they have two choices one the ring is not destroyed and they are eventually overwhelmed by the enemy and die a violent, but probably a glorious death, a very last stand kind of thing. Or the ring is destroyed, their rings become powerless and they are forced to diminish, either passing over into the West or essentially remaining and becoming spirits of the forest, very kind of ethereal and they don't have the kind of physicality they would otherwise mm. it's Wild. very lose-lose for the elves um is that all the elves or just the ones in Lothlorien? all the elves all the elves uh it's already kind of happening with the elves mm. of mirkwood in that they're now living more in caves than they are in like grand tree houses and palaces mm. they're kind of like suspicious and they're very and they're um, suspicious and, you know, yeah. yeah and it's, I believe, what's the line? A rut, I think she says, yes, we must depart into the West or dwindle to a rustic folk of Dell and Cave, slowly to forget and to be forgotten. And yeah, yeah and it's a, it's a cruel fate, but 
at the end of the day, their time is over. They had the age of the trees and the age of the first age, and they had the second age. And those were their grand, wonderful periods where they were the superpowers of the world. They were the forces of good battling darkness. Men were their sidekicks and dwarves were their, uh, you know, rivals slash friends. Like, it was all centered on them. And now they're kind of coming to the realization that it's, we, it's our time is over. We need to take a step back. And it kind of hits a bit almost to how I feel with um, how some people, how some modern Americans feel about the West these days. They're so used to America being the great, powerful, bombastic, hey, we're in mm. charge. We're the, we're the good guys. Follow us. And they're having real problems with the fact that we're in decline. And it might just be the fact that we need to start taking a few steps back from like mm -hmm. a powerful leadership role and more just act as a fellow member of the world um wow way to compare the u.s to elves and lothlorian <laughs> elves are capitalist pigs what can i say uh no. well not to bring the mood down but i think also rereading this scene really hit me this time with galadriel basically preparing frodo um he's she basically saying to him uh saving the world will destroy you but it's still worth it if that happens yes she's saying Ooh. i'm willing to do that and i think that she's indirectly setting him up for like what we all know is coming like oh it's, it's still the right thing to do it's the right thing to do and she says i do not lay the fate of lothlorien at your feet that's kind of more my yeah. uh decision yours is just to accomplish this task and no pressure no pressure and she also prepares him with like she the dangers no yeah the dangers he'll face she literally like puts like she dials up sauron on the phone and just kind of sets it next to frodo mm -hmm. and is like are you gonna answer that and i also love how she's like but she's one of the few people who can really um relate to Frodo in regards to rings of power. She's like, he's looking for you. And he's been looking for me for a long while. Mm -hmm. And I won't let him find me. He'll never get me. Are you going to be willing to do the same? Are you willing to ensure that he won't get his clutches on you? And Frodo has to come to terms with this, that he's now in a very dire situation. Uh, yeah she's a speaker of hard truths and that's kind of what frodo needs at the moment with gandalf gone mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and then i also love now going after that segment uh when sam and frodo are walking away uh with galadriel uh <laughs> sam looks kind of confused and galadriel's like did you see a ring and he's like uh no i saw the stars through your fingers but i didn't see a ring and she kind of like winks at frodo and was like yeah you can only see this ring because you have the ring of power and that's the only reason you're able to see it welcome to the ring club Ugh. it's heavy and also I, um i love those little glimpses of how the ring is so powerful you really feel it, it. 
I forgot to mention this because it leads to another Aaron theory that I'm a big fan of. Um, essentially, uh, Frodo asks, hey, Gandalf said that you could use the ring to dominate others. Could I do that? And she says, no. Well, you have, she's like, you have not tried and you should not try. The moment you try, it would you, destroy your brain's going to become pudding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Aaron's theory is that Frodo does use the ring to dominate the mind of Gollum, essentially. He places a curse on Gollum. Uh, I forget which part. I think it's when they're like... Swear on the precious part? Not swear on the precious. It's when they're at Mount Doom and Gollum's about to attack him, but then Frodo holds onto the ring and he terrifies Gollum with just his presence. And then he says, like, get you gone or you will face, like, the abyss or something, something In that moment, do you think Gollum sees Frodo with, like, a breastplate and backlighting? I think he sees him how uh, uh, Elijah Woods appears in uh, the Spy Kids, in Spy Kids 3, when he's the guy. Um, I think that's what Gollum is saying. His final form. Yeah, his final (laughs) form. Um, And in that point, he lays a curse on Gollum so that when Gollum returns, he takes the ring and is therefore cursed and then falls in. Uh, Aaron, I'll have to get the actual thing down writing from them because they always make it make sound makes so much more sense than I can. Uh, being like, <laughs> oh my gosh, my friend thinks uh, this is happening. Uh, I can't give you the page number, um, but trust me on this. It's we'll get the spark theory. notes after. And yeah, so uh, mm. it's an idea that Frodo did use the ring. Uh, it's just because he's a hobbit, it was very limited in that he was able to make a, a slimy guy uh, a little frog boy com- commit uh, suicide. <laughs> Sometimes you oh, gotta damn. suicide a frog boy. Kermit suicide. <laughs> um. So yes, uh, and that's the end of the chapter. Essentially, I I always imagine I, it doesn't say this at all, but I imagine like Galadriel like holding their hands like a parent with two children and leading them back to bed and like tucking them in, being like, "Okay, good night." So after all of that... Sorry, I showed you the future. (laughs) And she goes away. Sweet dreams. Man. When you know how it ends, that chapter really hits different. It really does hit different. The whole thing of like... How which part ends? You you have... How the book ends. How Frodo ends. How Frodo ends. You will Uh, save the world, but not for you. Yeah. And, that's and I know, I know you're sad now because you've seen the movies. But trust me, when you read the books, you uh, will, you will have a moment. You, you're like, we don't get uh, seasonal depression as much down here. Oh, trust me, you'll get it at the end of Return of the King. Oh yeah, it is heavy. All right, and that's yeah, that's the chapter, that's, guys. That's it. That's Him's the right mirror there. of Galadriel. What an honor to be asked a guest on this chapter. What One an honor to have Shane present. Jesus. You are um, fantastic, honestly, Galadriel. Your Galadriel was fantastic, so I think we'll yeah. need you back whenever Galadriel's going to have lines. Oh, please, whenever. I'm also realizing uh, this edition that I read has the Alan Lee <gasps> illustrations. Alan Lee. And like, Ooh. 
people listening to this podcast, please Google Alan Lee's Miracle Agile image to see like how serene and spooky and big this lady is that he painted. Yeah. This looks so small in that. Yeah. They look tiny and she looks like a ghost empress, like very otherworldly in a very disconcerting way. But like also a little step on me. Oh, 100% step on me. Contain contain yourself. Elf lady? Elf lady, excuse me? Elf lady, beg! <laughs> My lady? Sorry. My lady? Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so, yes. Also, what uh, episode did you say you wanted to come back for? Which chapter specifically? The Passing of the Grey Company. I believe it's Return of the King. Yes, that's Return of the King. Eowyn and Aragorn in the cup. Oh. Very important. Peak feminism. Chapter. It's, well, not, it like, makes you like it makes about. you go what do you mean tolkien was a conservative catholic man when he wrote these fucking lines about eowyn like are you shitting it me? is so funny to me how the most worthless people online think that tolkien would get anywhere near them it's so funny when you know an ounce about his life about how he felt about women how he felt about his wife about his friend group there, the letters he's written it's so funny find, it's actually so funny i find like the tolkien like almost like incels hilarious because i'm like this guy was a wife guy he's like i love my wife maybe the most wife guy to ever live the original he, wife he, guy he, he, he decided to write him and his wife into a fairy tale of undying love yeah he's like oh yeah no totally i'm baron and she's luthien it's on their fucking gravestone. It's on their fucking gravestone. And that's true love, y'all. That's true love true right love. there. True love. True love. <laughs> so, what yes. Thank you, Shane, for joining us for this Thanks, wonderful Thanks, Shane, for being podcast. with us. Is there anything you want to shout anything out? Anything you want to plug? Oh, gosh. Are you doing anything you of value? You also don't have to. I'm we so can just bad talk about it. how much we love you. Well, I'm an animation writer. You can watch all of the seasons of She-Ra on Netflix that I worked on. And then you can watch the first two seasons of Kung Fu Panda the Dragon Knight also on Netflix. And then I have another show coming up, but I don't know when they're announcing it because streaming is weird. Also support the writer's strike. Also. Support the writer's strike, guys. Yeah. I don't know. Save the world even if it kills you. Sad. Sad emoji. Such a writer thing to say. Um <laughs> but yes shout out if uh, i've ever heard one <laughs> amazing so yes uh we'll be back on our regular schedule of every other week for the podcast guys uh i think i should be able to keep on top of it with my new job the hours aren't so bad so no but the commute eh fuck it i'll find a way uh find a way special thanks of course to evelyn for drawing our cover art Special yeah, thanks, Evelyn. of course, to Jack Hook for hey, Jack. Uh, the intro and outro music. Special thanks to our patrons. If you are a patron, you're getting stuff for June. We 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 didn't have you pay for May because we weren't going to be doing shit. But happy Pride Month, guys. We're doing shit. Uh, we are going to be coming out with our bonus pod at the end of the month where we will be basically rating the... Uh, magic the gathering lord of the rings cards and basically it will be an hour them. of tori just freaking out over black gladrill it will be that yeah yeah <laughs> so stay tuned uh and that's for the five dollar tier for the ten dollar tier it's movie night 
next Tuesday. I can't say next Tuesday. This is coming out after that Tuesday. You'll see um, it. Yes. Fuck it. It'll be uh, there. Yeah. Patrons uh, know. You're invited. Come watch a uh, game movie with us. Yeah, what movie are we watching? I think we're doing Imagine Me and You. Imagine You and Me. Never heard of it. Lesbian rom-com. Lesbian rom-com? Cool. There's lesbians with, uh, on it. Cersei with Lena Headey, isn't that right? Oh, Lena Headey's in that? I think so. Tori can't tell me. Thanks, Tori. This whole tier is because Tori doesn't watch movies, so... (laughs) And don't bring up Cersei Lannister. I'm trying to avoid getting myself back into a song of ice and fire now that people are like, George is going to come out with Winds of Winter soon. I'm like, you're liars! You're lying (laughs) to me! They're liars. House of the Dragon didn't help either. Um, So yeah, thank you everyone for listening. And we'll see you next time. Love you, bye. Da, 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 da. Da. <laughs>